Hi, I'm indie fantasy author Melinda Cusera, and in this episode of Fantasy Lore and More, we have Joshua Blum, and he's joining me to talk about his book, Empty Hands. So I already want to know why the hands are empty and why that's important, <laughs> but welcome to the show and, and tell us about Empty Hands. Hi, uh, thanks Melinda for having me. Yeah, so Empty Hands is a, I guess you would call it a novella. Uh, wow. it's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a short, it, it's not a short story. Um, and I meant it as an interlude basically to a larger novel. And I guess you could say that, um, these are all, uh, fantasy books, but I guess I describe them also as, I guess, fantasy books for people who have had trouble getting into fantasy books and are looking for something a little bit more straightforward. So I think the focus mostly is on characters as opposed to uh, building uh, a world that's very different in some ways, you know, than, than ours. And a lot of these stories were influenced by my own martial arts training. So I started training in martial arts when I was 13. And so this one in particular is essentially a martial arts story in a fantasy world. And it's about the specifically the training part of it. And how the 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 main character is a young man named Logan, who's about eighteen or nineteen years old. Um, he, for all accounts, uh, is a horrendous soldier, but um, was for a variety of reasons picked to join this uh, group called the Imperial Rangers, and it's sort of a more elite group and he really kind of wonders why he was chosen because he doesn't have any particular special talents and anything he, he generally he can't march he hates just about everything that uh he has to do and he was really only there because he was drafted at age 18 to be serve his um in his uh his kingdom's military sort of a, a mandatory thing and he's from an area of the world that is pretty uh, rural and um, far removed from the city he now finds himself in. And uh, so the story really is about his training and uh, learning to work with seven other of these rangers as they all kind of come together from different backgrounds and to try to learn to work together as a team because that they will be really depending on each other after their period of training is done. And so, uh, when I was about eight, uh, how old was I? I must have been 19. Um, I had written a book called, uh, a, or a, a very early draft of a book called The 13th Hour. And uh, that's uh, that's the main book. Uh, and this is an interlude in that story. So I didn't publish that that particular story for a long time. Um, I, I only did that, you know, basically decades later. Uh, not long after I had my first child, which I'm not really sure in retrospect why I chose then to do that. That was not the best idea, but it made you re-examine your life and you're like, you know, I wrote that book and I never did anything with it. There <laughs> so you go. Beginning, yeah. I'm yeah. a new parent. I'm gonna be a book daddy too. <laughs> yeah. I, I it must have been something like that. And uh that was I think in 2014. And then since then. I've just sort of added to the world. And this was this particular book that we're talking about, Empty Hands, was a, a little segment that I essentially edited out of that book. I, I had the the ideas for sticking it in there as a, a chapter or something like that, but it just got too big. And I wanted to give it its due uh, 
sort of justice. And so I cut it out um, and I, I, I wasn't fully formed yet either. So I, I just shelved it and then put it away for later. And so eventually I got around to writing it and here it is. It's a, it's a, a little interlude that can be read um, totally standalone. It, it, it's not, I, when I was a kid, I, I always had a lot. I always wanted to really like fantasy stories. I'd go to the bookstore or library and look at all the covers and it looks so awesome. And, you know, you see all these things and you'd see ads for things like, I don't know, dungeons. I, I grew up in the eighties. Um, and so you'd see ads for things like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. I knew none of, I knew nothing about any of this stuff when I was a kid, but it looked awesome. Mm -hmm. And then I, I would, I remember going and, and going to bookstores and looking at all those covers and these fantastic images and stuff like that. And I, and I would pick up the book and I would just have no success actually getting into the majority of those books. A lot of which uh, stemmed from the fact that I would start with book like two or three out of like oh. a four book series because I couldn't find the first one. Yeah. I didn't understand at the time that you probably should start at the first one. And it was just so much harder to find things than the bookstore maybe only had the third you know, they didn't have the books, you know, one and two or whatever. And so you just kind of took what you and could they get. they didn't number them because I've I, I oh, done the same true. thing. Yeah, I picked true. up yeah. some books and then you're reading after you finish it. You're like, oh, wasn't there a list of books in the front? And you go back and you consult it and you're like, oh, I read book four. No wonder I was yeah. a bit confused. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I remember having that experience in the 80s. Like they don't they didn't number the books and like you right. had to like a. a there would be a list of uh, also by either in the front or the back and yeah. they'd list it by series. And then, and you'd have to go through that list and be like, Oh, I read the fourth book of the fifth trilogy in this. Okay. No wonder. It seems like there's a lot of things that came before. There were right. a lot of things that came before and I didn't read them because I didn't know about them. And then you start trying to figure out how to find them and you go back to your Barnes and Noble and, and you've got your little list yeah. And you could not find a single book that yeah. is that was listed in the front. And you're like, well, now what am I supposed to do? I read right, book right, four. Right. I want to read book one, but where do I get it? I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know. This sounds maybe antiquated or weird to say now because everything is a lot harder to find. But just figuring out even the order at which you're supposed to, which it makes sense, I guess, to to read these things in or uh, to, or I guess they would be the same with movies, you know, watch them in a particular order. So they kind of make some semblance of sense. It was just kind of harder to, you had to know somebody kind of that already did it. And, uh, so I, I didn't really know any people, uh, when I was a kid who could give me that information. And so, um, fantasy was always, and science fiction was always a slog in some ways because, um, I always wanted to like it. And, I liked the imagery and the ideas and so forth, but actually reading it was frustrating. And so one of the things I, when I got finally old enough to, to kind of create some of this stuff myself is like, I want to read something that I would have wanted to found, would have, you know, liked to found when I was a kid or, or a teenager. And so that's how these books came to be. But, um, uh, but yeah, there. The my point in saying that very long-winded point in saying that is that they they are all the things that I've written are meant to be standalone. So if you just happen to pick up one thing and you haven't been able to find the others, that's okay. You can read it in isolation without necessarily a whole lot of knowledge of the other stuff that goes around it. That's really cool. So there, it's a series of of stories that can stand alone, or they could be read as a series. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. You had asked about the empty hands part. Yes. So empty hands. So uh, so I guess the literal translation of karate is empty hand. Oh, and I didn't know that. Yeah. And there, there is, um, I remember when I first started, you know, this sort of training, I, I probably was, you know, teenager or something like that. But there, there was a, an, um, a man named Ed Parker, who was a pioneer uh, martial arts instructor in, in like the mid part of the 20th century. Um, like one of the founding fathers, I guess, of martial arts, like Western martial arts in this country. And he had, he would have like a little prayer that, um, or uh, creed or whatever that he would have students say, you know, uh, in, in class. And one of which uh, was revolved around this idea of empty hands because they were training in karate. Mm -hmm. And uh, let me actually see if I can find it because it, it's kind of a, uh, I've always liked it. I did a different style at the time, and um, I it always had stuck with me. And that's kind of the I in the course of this book, I uh, I sort of paid uh, homage to it. And this is the quote: It says, "Like I come to you with only karate, empty hands. I have no weapons, but should I be forced to defend myself, my principles, or my honor? Should it be a matter of life or death, or right or wrong? Then here are my weapons." karate my empty hands that's cool and yeah and so um i kind of at that 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 quote is always stuck with me and um the idea of this particular book is that you have this group of eight soldiers who are learning to use uh their bodies and weapons uh you know and to defend themselves and other people um, and there's a little ceremony as part of sort of almost like a pre-graduation where they get assigned a, uh, a particular sidearm that uh, they can carry. It's sort of like the, the one they'll probably spend a little bit more time in the final stages of their training with. Although they're kind of supposed to learn how to use everything, but, you know, everybody may have their own preferred thing. And it's called the drawing. And it's kind of rumored to be this thing and no one really knows how it works or how you get matched up to your particular weapon. So there's a lot of hoopla about, well, which one am I going to get? You know, uh, you know, everybody's kind of looking forward to or kind of speculating and uh, including our main character, Logan, who, who, who sort of bumbles through most of this in kind of a clueless way. Um, and uh, without giving, I guess, too much away, uh, he spends the most time on the, unarmed or empty-handed techniques. And so it's mostly about that and how the idea of that just because your hands are empty doesn't necessarily mean you have to, you can't use other things in your environment. And so part of the training is also, of course, looking around at things you could use, even if you don't happen to have things at your disposal to be able to defend yourself with. And so that's um, that's part of the idea of using the environment, I guess, in such a way that it, it now becomes uh, essentially your weapon as opposed to just having to depend on something you carry physically with you. Yes, this is all reminding me of a scene in a, in um, I think it was uh, Winds of Bait or no, the, 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 
a Mage Wins trilogy by Mercedes Lackey. There's a there's a scene in there where they're trying to teach the princess because she's got to go off on a diplomatic mission and like, well, you need mm-hmm. to know how to defend yourself. And they won't. And she's like, oh, they're gonna teach me how to use weapons and things, and I'm gonna be the coolest yeah. person in the room. And the the weapons master like gives her nothing, and she's like, okay. <laughs> kill me you know try to kill me with you know using anything in the room and she's like there's nothing in the room and then there's this whole this it's a cool scene where she's like well there's the bench you could hit me over the head with it and she starts naming all the things in the room that the princess wasn't seeing and and all the things she could put to and then and she and then she gets mad the princess is like well why won't you teach me to use weapons and she's like because you're going to be on there as a diplomat you're not mm. going to have weapons if somebody sure. attacks you you're going to have to use what's around you and we're going to drill at this until you can find one thing to, one way to kill me with absolutely everything in this room <laughs> yeah exactly that's that the exact same uh, yeah. idea and in fact the uh you know this this is i guess i should say something about the fantasy world that is that it comes in uh you know it's is yes, it's, it's kind of um i guess it would be kind of akin to like you know our middle ages uh i guess in a, in a like in a in a western sense um so there's no guns and there's no electricity right. and things like that. But, you know, there's things like swords and castles and, you know, that sort of stuff like that. And so because of that, they spend a lot of time, you know, learning how to use a spear and sword. And, you know, and 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 Logan, who um, kind of doesn't really like a lot of this stuff, is just bored to tears uh, with all of this. His favorite exercise actually is they, they have... Um, uh, a bunch of wizards that are also teaching them, and they they will hold this little uh, sort of training session where they they have them. They'll give them a couple of things, like here's a potted plant, you know, you know, here's a here's a here's a bench, you know, use that to defend yourself, and you know, here's a bottle of ink, and you know, what can you do with just these mon- very mundane things? Because you know, again, um, you may not have other things. So yeah, to the observant, the world is your weapon. Sure. Yeah. So there's this idea um, in uh, some some I think it mostly comes from like Tibetan Buddhism, but uh, uh, it's sort of filtered through a variety of different martial arts. Mm-hmm. And so this in in Japan, there's like a, a form of Buddhism where they they talk about the different. There's like these different elements, and they relate that to other parts of life. So they um, there was a, actually a guy who, a Japanese swordsman, uh, who wrote a book called The Book of Five Rings. I don't know if you've ever read that, but yes. it's, a, it's a fairly... I've read it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's it a, was the audio um, book, but still can't. Yeah. 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 Actually, totally. Um, and there, the five rings go through these different five elements in the world. So earth, fire, wind, water. And the last one is is usually translated as the void or... Um, I guess empty space or mm. uh, potential, I guess you could say. And so, um, the that exercise of like trying to use things in your surroundings to defend yourself is sort of a void exercise where you're just you're not relying on any one thing necessarily, but you're kind of adapting to whatever the situation uh, demands. And so. That actually t- ends up t- uh, turning out to be Logan's strength because he's a, he's a creative guy. He's he's not um, he's not particularly strong or fast or agile or any of those things. 
but he is he's he's a pretty creative guy and uh he finds through the course of the story that that ends up being his 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 sort of calling card in a way and but it takes it takes him the the story to and yeah. and, and i would say most of the 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 later the later book that uh, this is taken from 13th hour is also is essentially logan's story um so he he serves as the narrator for both and he, you know it, it kind of comes to more terms with that in the in the uh, in the larger volume but in this one it was a very focused little thing because it was just really relying yeah. or, or sort of up, up about their period of training so it's more like an internal quest right yeah it kind of kind of and you know he's he's like 18 or 19 years old so it's like all the stuff that you might be thinking about at that age you know like uh who am i where do i fit in the world and you know those kind of things yeah. like that yeah, no, it's more of an internal quest, which is interesting though, that 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 using the training to to focus on that. That's really and 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 also the quest for them to come together as a unit. So it's like an internal and external quest. It's interesting. Should we go to the excerpt? Did you want to say anything else um, about empty hands or martial arts? And this has all been very fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah, I mean, we can certainly go to the excerpt. excerpt. Uh, the only other thing I would say is that oh, sure. go um, ahead. The, when, I, um, when I was writing this, uh, you know, growing up when I did, uh, you know, I, I watched my fair amount of like Saturday morning cartoons yes. and things like that. And we had the best ones. <laughs> they, they are, right? I mean, it's, it's I don't, you know, yeah, maybe it's just biased, um, but I, 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 I take it from listening to your show that you're probably also a child of the 80s. Yes, so, I was born yeah. in 1980. So we had the yeah. X-Men on Saturday mornings. Yeah. We had, uh, I think the first anim anime I've ever seen was Technoman Blade, which was on Saturday sure. mornings or yeah. Sunday mornings. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I remember when I was younger, like there was all the, um, you know. Uh, He-Man and Plan She-Ra, yeah, Captain, Planet. Captain Planet. Captain <laughs> Planet, Robots, you know, Transformers. Yeah. And I, I guess I, there may still be this idea. I think there probably still is, but um, a lot of the, it just seemed to be a lot of the cartoons and also the movies revolved around this, like assembling a team concept where you had like different uh, disparate groups or di di disparate people coming together to function as a unit. They all had their own little specialty or their own little um, thing that made them unique. Uh, but the, they were stronger together than they were individually, mm. right? So that's essentially like, I guess, taking that idea and putting it into kind of a book form um, was was kind of like the idea of this particular little no novella. Ah, it's cool. And we had the original Power Rangers. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. 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 So I, I guess like, yeah, you, right, right. Like that, that's like kind of like that that idea like they even have different colors and different that was a little bit um like so my my brother i have a i have a younger brother who's who's so um, do i <laughs> eight, eight, yeah eight, eight years of my my junior and so he watched a lot of the stuff that kind of came in like the early to mid 90s that i had uh i had stopped or i i didn't really watch that stuff as much i was like a slight um yeah, I guess we technically are different generations, right? But um, yeah, I was, like, I was a couple like, before. My sister's four year was four years old before she passed away, and like the stuff she watched was totally different from what I watched. So eight years, right. I can imagine, like that's like a whole other generation. Like it was yes. very different, 
cartoons then. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry about your sister. I remember looking at, uh, listening to some of your early podcasts and then how, how that kind of formed an inspiration for some of your writing and stuff like that. So that's very, very touching, very like good for you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. It, yeah. it was hard, but after it's been almost, it'd be 10 years this February. So I am coming yeah. out of the, I will, I will always miss her, but yeah. it's, it's not like I can move on with my life. I, I've made peace with the fact that I'll never know exactly what happened in that hotel room, right. why she passed away. And yeah. I will, there, there's questions that will never be answered. And it's, it's after 10 years, I've made peace with that. And I, I can move on like a, for a long time i couldn't i just couldn't accept what had happened you know your sister goes on vacation and you don't expect to get a phone call a week later that she's passed right. away <laughs> that's yeah. it's just not yeah. it's not in anybody there's never a thought you know yeah so no yeah we just had a thing it was no yeah you, you don't the think last about thing that. you think yeah of. absolutely so. yeah yeah i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to send the podcast off on a sad note <laughs> Um, she'd be very proud of this. Uh. Yeah, good. I, I think like, you know, when we talk about uh, things like fantasy or science fiction or maybe any kind of literature, I guess like um, even though there's an element of like, which is getting very, very different from our day-to-day -day life. I mean, I yeah. think in the best case scenario, it allows you to reflect on your own reality in a different way. Hopefully that, you know, Maybe maybe there's some distance that makes it easier to think about difficult things, uh, but uh, uh, it's still like a good fantasy story or a good science fiction story or whatever is still delves into these like core kind of like human values and and ideas. I think anyway. No, I I think you're right. Um, I couldn't bring my sister back, but I could bring back the dead sister of my main character and she could be an angel sure. and still help them do things and sure then maybe yeah. she should get into all sorts of trouble as an angel because why not, why not? <laughs> her why as not? a character yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. no there's no reason not to not to have fun with that <laughs> yeah 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 but that's for another another time we're another talking time, about empty yeah. hands <laughs> but yeah yeah should we well, get that ex go on sure yeah 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 well i i have an excerpt here um and so i guess it's just as a, as a small a small like um one last background thing sure, so sure. when i did this um this book in particular i had a couple little things that i did just just mostly for me to have fun with mm -hmm. and so sprinkled throughout the text are little like um quotes that i i, I pulled from 80s movies and if oh, you can identify them at the end, you can uh, basically, uh, there's like a little matching game you can do. Like, I don't know if you remember from elementary school where you like match this one with this one and you'll, you put all the letters together and that's the code to unlock like a prize. So if you go through and you can identify all the quotes, then you can get a little prize afterwards. And so that's one thing. So there's some quotes to 80s movies, 80s, like early 90s movies in there. Um, and then there's some music. So I've never known how to describe this totally, but when I first came up with the idea for the 13th hour, I didn't envision it as a book. I envisioned it as uh, kind of like a, I don't know, maybe, maybe movie or uh, video game or something like that because I, I, I saw pictures I heard music 
And when I wrote it down, that was because I couldn't do the other stuff yet. I was like, well, I guess that's the best, the next best thing would be to write it down and essentially like narrate it, even though that seemed like a poor substitute to the, the, this thing I had in my head. And then I drew, I drew pictures that went along with it. So it's illustrated, but it's not what I originally had envisioned, which still to my knowledge does not exist. Like you can't, you don't have a book that you can flip through and then you sort of press a, a little button on the page and then the little movie plays in your, you know, right before you and you can flip to the next page and then you can, you know, do the same thing. So I guess an ebook or the internet, I guess would be the, the mm. closest equivalent, but, um, uh, it's not a book that you can just sort of fold up. So I don't know. But when I was doing this one, I had written music uh, for it and then uh, interspersed throughout when there's a, the music was all written as basically the soundtrack for the story. So when you're reading through it, you could click on the little passage. And then, I mean, if you're connected to the internet, it'll, the, the music will basically start playing. It's hosted elsewhere, but it'll start playing through assuming your your device has speakers. So if you're reading it like on a phone, like on a Kindle app or something like that, it kind of works relatively seamlessly. So that's cool. So before we go to the excerpt, so you the 13th is the 13th hour, it that's is the title of a book. Is it also the name of the series? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, it's, so it's, it's both because yeah. the way you're it, using it, it seemed interchangeable. So right, yeah. cool. Yeah, it's it's also the name of uh a few other things, but I won't get into that right now. We'll get but, into that uh, after the book. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that later. So at this particular point, um, the main character, this is all written from Logan's or told from Logan's perspective. And he's basically sitting in the barracks uh, at the end of uh, a hard day. So I'll just start reading there. A few weeks later, I lay in bed stretching, again, listening to my fellow rangers playing cards. I was sore from the day's workout and had a few nagging injuries, mostly from our sparring sessions. That always seemed to bother me once I stopped moving. You guys, you guys may not want to hit each other so hard. Clavis, who's one of their trainers, would sometimes say during the training sessions, you've got the last all year, he'd always say, generally with a chuckle. At two, sometimes three training sessions a day, pain was a frequent companion. Sometimes anger, humiliation, or just pain plain aggression would win out and you'd forget about the pain temporarily, but it always came back. And non-serious injuries never got us out of more training. Oh, you injured your ankle, I remember Clavis saying the first time I'd hobbled into practice. I nodded, hoping I'd be able to sit that, that session out. Oh, anything wrong with your arms? No? Great, he said, without missing a beat, motioning to the ground. Push-ups first, then pull-ups. And after that marathon session, neither my upper nor lower body had worked well for days. I'm not sure how others dealt with their injuries, though they all had them. At that moment, Jake twisted slowly in his chair and there were firecrackers as his spine popped. A few of the others did the same. After sighs of relief, the conversation turned to the drawing. You remember that essay Wally assigned us to write way back? That's one of the wizards, Blake asked. You know about our strengths and weaknesses and such. After a few nods, he continued, I bet that was preparation for the drawing. They're probably going to use that to match us up with our weapons. What? I thought that was just a flaky exercise to get us to be like more active learners or some junk like that, said Lance. I knew I should have written something with more substance. Maybe maybe something about swords, he added. You guys actually wrote something? I blew, it off, blew that off the second while he told us to do it, Aaron retorted. 
We recall quite quite well, uh, Aaron, Lance said. Aaron's face reddened. It's pronounced a... Alan interrupted with a sigh, still looking at his cards. Yes, yes, yes. Haven't we figured out by now that we all know how to say your name? If you didn't react with such fervor every time... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron butt in. Whatever. I'm going to clean house after the drawing. Then we'll see who's laughing. As rangers in training, we weren't actually paid money, so any chance someone found to scrounge up a little capital was always met with interest. The closest thing we had to currency were paper tickets that could be traded in for drinks or snacks at the soldier's commissary. We earned a little, a certain number of them each week by cleaning the training floor, sweeping the hall, mucking out the stables, polishing and repairing the training weapons, and so forth. If you saved enough, you could even get booze, but the alcoholic contact was so low it was hardly, hardly worth it. Still, the drink tickets were the only things we had of any real value, so they were often used as poker chips. Oh, really, Aaron, said Jack, said Jake. Didn't you learn your lesson last time? He asked, referring to an ill-fated bet Aaron had lost some months back with one of the female guards that had left him not only embarrassed, but destitute. Aaron's uh, face blanched for a second, then appeared confused. Ah, shit, I forgot about that. Jake sputtered. Are you serious? How could you have forgotten? It's right there in this room. We watched you hand over your entire gambled life savings and nearly lose your genitalia in the process, he said, referring to a thrown imperial guard dagger that had landed mere inches from Aaron's groin. I actually felt sorry for you for a few days. You sure milked it at the time, Aaron shrugged. Yeah, I'm a gambling man. Can't win them all. To win big, you got to do what? Lose big, he shrugged again. Are you implying you're a loser? Blake asked with a sly smile. Maybe, maybe, but not today. Aces over queens, boys. Beat that, Aaron said, laying down his hand. There was a round of groans as the rest of the men threw down the cards and passed Aaron the drink tickets. Unbeknownst to Aaron, I had a whole slew of drink tickets. Since the other others never invited me to play cards with them, I never really liked the taste of alcohol anyway. My drink uh, ticket stash kept accumulating. Occasionally, I'd use one or two to buy a pastry or some candy, but the baked goods were left over from the king's breakfasts and were usually stale by the time they made it to the soldier's commissary and the candy was never quite as good as it looked. The only things I sort of wanted were a few tattered comic books and pulp novels that looked like the kind I enjoyed as a kid. I figured they'd give me something to do other than stare at the bunk above me at night while the other guys played cards. But since it was a city and there weren't that many trees, paper was scarce, which was ironic since most of the paper was imported from forested regions down south, like my hometown of uh, Aquaria, where the literacy rate was abysmal. Needless to say, I couldn't afford the books yet. While Aaron continued cleaning house and going on how, about how he was going to get smashed in an endless series of drinks that had 1% alcohol, I found myself thinking, as I often did, about Aurora. So this is a segment where it starts to actually play, and I'm, I actually just clicked on it now, on the uh, on a, a page of uh, a music on a site called Bandcamp, which is a for where indie musicians can post their stuff. So this is a track entitled Memories of a Better Time. And so my memories return to simpler days. And I recall the time when I was about six and it snuck over to the library near the schoolroom on the first floor of the orphanage. There was a staff member on each floor to provide the requisite adult supervision Logan grows up in an orphanage, but that person often fell asleep not long after the kids did. So if you wanted to, sc to scrounge a midnight snack from the kitchen, there was a good chance you'd get away with it if you were quiet in your feet. 
I'd had a nightmare and was unable to fall back asleep and pattered over to the library to look at some picture books in the moonlight. That night, as I was sitting by the big floor-to-ceiling uh, library window, looking at the painted illustrations in a fairy tale book, my eyes came to rest on Dragon's Eyes, a fairy tale that had been turned into a lullaby and a popular ballad by the same name. I couldn't read yet, but nevertheless, I stared enthralled at the illusions of the flying creatures in all their savage splendor. Unlike a lot of people, I had actually seen dragons since they were they had killed my parents. I don't think I entirely understood what that meant then, but I knew my father and mother weren't coming back and that dragons were responsible. And looking at the illustrations, I remembered the nightmare that had woken me. It was always a variation of the same thing, running, screaming, the screech of diving dragons, and then a sweltering sulfuric inferno that would wake me up, heart pounding, short of breath, sweating like there really had been a dragon breathing down my neck. I dropped the book quickly, my heart pounding in my chest, as if the nightmare had again woken me. Logan? Came a voice from the entrance to the library, startling me. It was Aurora. Couldn't sleep? I had a bad dream, I said. Me too, she said. And as she sat down next to me, still wrapped in my blanket, she looked over at the illustration in the book, flipped through the pages, and said, Do you know this story? I shook my head. She studied the book. Uh, I don't know all the words yet, but I can read it to you. And so under the light of the moon, Aurora read the tale of Dragon's, eye, uh, Dragon's Eyes. She had to skip over a few parts where there were lots of big words, but I got the gist of the story. I knew en enough about life then to know something of courage, pain, and the greed of man. It was a story that I would come to know well for it would become one of Aurora's favorites, as well as her favorite song to sing. And there's another instrumental track here. But that first time, I don't recall if we made it through the whole thing. The next thing I knew, it was morning, and I woke to the frantic shouts of the orphanage staff bursting through the library doors, followed by their exasperated sighs of relief at finally discovering the two children who had seemingly gone missing the night before, now curled up underneath a blanket in the morning sun. Not all my memories of childhood were good, despite the overall positive atmosphere of the orphanage, there were the usual vicissitudes of growing up accompanied by the periodic cycles of hope for adoption and disappointment when I realized it wasn't gonna happen. But as the case with so much of life, our memories are selective. And on those nights in my corner bunk, listening to the men play cards, the memories that came were the good ones. The smell of the tall pines, the quiet sounds of the deep forest at night, the night sky with its twinkles of foreign worlds, the sound of Aurora's voice and the optimistic hope or a better tomorrow. And uh, that's where I'll end this uh, excerpt. And it goes on. But that's a little snippet of Logan's life in the barracks and uh, a flashback to a scene when he was probably about five or six. Oh, wow. There was a lot there. So he lost his parents to dragons as as happens when you live in a fantasy world, that that's one of the dangers. Yeah. That's why I wouldn't want to move to one. <laughs> I don't want to die in a dragon attack. True. Yeah. You know, just because just somebody made the dragon angry, I don't want to end up extra crispy. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And as often the case, the, uh, the, the, uh, the identified hero in a lot of these stories is, 
you know, has bad things that happen mm. to them. And then, you know, that forms their, their reason for being who they are and doing what they do. Yeah. But like, even in the real world, like, I think that bad things happen to everybody and, yeah. you know, different, yeah. different things. But like, so I don't, I don't think it's fair to like say that only in fantasy books do the, hero, do the heroes have bad things happen totally. to them. I think, I think that's, I think that's too much of a generalization <laughs> but yeah. um yeah so what do, so the rangers in this world do they fight the dragons like who do the ranger like so we've got the rangers and he's he's got to learn to be part of this cohesive unit but what do the rangers themselves do yeah what are they protecting I... Right. So I know that's not part of the novella, but I'm curious since this is yeah, also yeah. the lead into a, a longer series where I presume right. we do see the Rangers right. in their in their official capacity. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's a segment in the in the I guess you could say the appendix of this of this little book about what the Rangers are. Uh, but uh, and then in the beginning, it goes through a little bit about uh, an introduction about the individual characters that you'll be meeting and a little bit about them. But I kind of envisioned them as part diplomat, uh, part um, military, uh, and then also uh, part, um, I, I guess you could say almost like detective uh or or guard they they have a there's some like uh uh functions that if there's a problem and the police or the military don't want to deal with it or can't and they may call in the rangers to 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 deal with it uh, and the idea kind of was that they might be able to do some things that the police or the military couldn't do and uh at the time of this story happening the premise was that that the Rangers were sort of something that were disbanded, you know, decades ago. It was something that was nice in a bygone age, uh, but uh, there hadn't been any for decades. Uh, there hadn't been any money to train them, and there was nothing to uh, train them for. Uh, and, the, and then the king, uh, the current king, uh, decides that he wants uh, to live forever. He's getting older, and oh. he wants to live forever. And so he decides in the manner, I guess, of you know, explorers in places like Spain and, you know, whatever in the Renaissance decided that we need to go find things like that will help us do that, sending our explorers to, you know, the new world. And so he says that uh, he found a legend that, uh, uh, and this is talked about in, in the, the, the main book, The 13th Hour, Mm-hmm. That uh, says that well, actually, there are there is something that will allow uh, a mortal man to live forever, and uh, you have to go to the ends of the world to find it. And uh, to do that, he decided to recreate or reform this Imperial Ranger group and have them trained to do that. And so, that's the mission that Logan and his seven uh, compatriots were chosen to be trained for. So this is a little tiny little snippet in a portion of that training and that that but the bigger story itself is the story of the 13th hour. Okay, and that's when they that's when we go hunting f- for the fountain of youth or whatever. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, whatever grants yeah. it if if it's not a fountain. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Yeah. So as you correctly guessed, it's not quite a fountain. It's a little bit different than you yeah. th- think it's it's going to be. 
not necessarily something that you magically drink and makes whoever drinks it, you know, live forever, but it, it is a kind of forever. And uh, so the king, who's a kind of a schmuck, uh, uh, doesn't exactly get what he's looking for uh, because he does get it in the end. But um, uh, that's the case with a lot of things. You know, it's not exactly what you thought it was going to be. Right, right, right. Because that would be too easy. Right. Yeah. We can't. We can't. You know, just because you want to live forever doesn't mean you got to struggle. <laughs> you got to earn it, dude. <laughs> yes. So I, I don't know if you remember or listen to, but there's a song by a group named Alphaville. They're from Germany called Forever Young. And oh, a, I, maybe. You've heard it. Um, I probably. But, it uh, sounds familiar. Yeah. If you Google it, you'll see the yeah. lyrics. And it's, um, it was, you know, it was, it was, I think it was like written during like, you know, probably the height of the Cold War or something like that when, you know, nuclear holocaust was on everybody's minds. And so it's, it's, it has some, um, I guess, probably vestiges of that, uh, those kind of sentiments in there. But when I uh, was writing this originally, like when I was a teenager, that song was on my mind. And so that's where that whole living okay. forever thing came from. So that makes sense. So, so they're not out hunting dragons or, um, you know, but there's fine. Not, re not really. I, though, Maybe though there the dragons are, don't need hunting. <laughs> right. There are some, there are some uh, creatures in the world that are not necessarily always friendly. Uh, you, know, you know, it's kind of funny when I was writing this, I, I didn't, um, there, I guess there's some like fantasy tropes that often, yeah. you know, like, uh, you know, like uh, dragons and elves. And, and there are some of those things in there, but I didn't really know a lot of those uh, when I was uh, writing this, to be honest with you. And so not a lot of those things made their way into the into the story. And if they are there, they don't form a huge part. They're mentioned as maybe like a snippet here and there. Um, so I think when sometimes, sometimes people are looking for a very uh, sort of specific brand of fantasy or right. science fiction or whatever that that's their particular fl flavor. And if they don't quite find it they they get kind of like out of sorts. Um, so I would say this is, this is probably a light version of that because most of it's focused on the characters as opposed to, you know, this particular goblin or whatever, you know, the, those kind of things like that. And and there's a place in fantasy for that. Like not every book needs to be about dragon slayers. Um, I don't sure. have any dragon slayers. We make, well, they're trying to make friends with the dragon. We'll find out in a later book if they actually succeed. <laughs> That's the intention. Uh, who knows what the dragons want? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so I'm very much in that, in that same camp where we're not, ex I mean, I know what the tropes were, but like, I liked these dragons. I didn't want to hunt them down. <laughs> That's there you go. There you go. Yeah. What other paths can we explore with this? <laughs> right. So that little um that little uh story that um, yeah. Logan and his friend Aurora are reading in the uh in the library orphanage as as children was actually a reference to that. And it was it was a little I guess it was a poem, but then it became a song that I mm. included in in the 13th hour about how people find uh try to basically hunt the dragons down and uh and and kill them off in hopes of essentially being able to accumulate their the wealth that they that they um 
are associated with. So it's it's a very like you know it's got it's kind of like dark and maybe mm. I don't know postmodern or something like that. But it was it's it's uh so th those th some of those tropes are there, I guess, but they're they're sort of there as like in a, in little pieces. No, and and that's I mean they don't they don't have to be there. No, there's no like trope checklist when you're writing. You like oh right. do I have Dragon right. Slayer? Check this off. Yeah, is the main character yeah. an orphan? Check this off. Yeah, are they yeah. the chosen one? Yeah, I mean there isn't a checklist like that. Right, right, right. I don't. Yeah. There shouldn't be because there should be. There's all different types of readers out there who are looking for all different types of stories. And I I think we do. I think you know it's good that there are those those stories that check all the trope boxes because there is a lot of people who want that. But if somebody is not looking for something that checks all the trope boxes, it's great that there is fantasy books out there. That's like exploring right. sure. other things that you can do besides the choke checklist right yeah uh so one thing that uh this book doesn't do um the 13th hour does is it's written from a couple different points of view i don't think i would do this again if i had to do it but at the time i wanted to do it um uh and it's one of the reasons why i eventually when i was going to publish it decided that i would do it uh, independently, because what I had originally had wanted to do was I wanted to have each perspective written in a different colored ink, and that oh. was at the time was enormously expensive, and was not going to be. When I told that, I remember looking for agents and sort of traditional. They were like, "No, that's there's there's no way anybody's going to do anything like that." Uh, and it might so, be hard to read too, like different colors. That might be hard on like the eyes for someone it's, it's trying a little, to read that. Yeah, it's a little hard on the eyes. I don't know if you've ever read the Neverending Story in a hardcover form. No, um, I've but only it, seen it the is, movie. Yeah, a million times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like so, it was on all the time when I was a kid. Right, right. So same here. But if you ever read the book, the original one, uh, in like hardcover form, it is written in blue or uh, green and red uh, text. For the different characters so bastion you know really? the, is written in red i believe which is a little hard on the eyes i would say red on a white background is a little bit hard um and then atreyu i believe is green because i think in the book his skin is supposed to be green if i remember right and i think they weren't able to do that for the movie but um really yeah, and I when the book is printed in black and white, like soft cover, yeah, I don't actually know what they do there. I think they just ignore that part, and it's just all black. But I wanted to do that, uh, but obviously that you know it's it's very um, it's hard to do that, obviously with for just an expense perspective. But that's a long way of saying like there's a portion of the Thirteenth Hour that's told from Aurora's perspective as well. So Aurora's his. Uh, Logan's best friend. They grew up together in the orphanage, and so she, you know, serendipity happens, and and she they encounter each other later in that, and later in the thirteenth hour, and she joins him on his quest when he he doesn't have anybody else, but uh, he's he's alone essentially at that point. They kind of meet up and 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 reconnect, sort of as adults. Um, but uh, there's a section that's told from her perspective, as well as a few other instances where it's the, there's some perspective changes. But this particular story is all from Logan's perspective, uh, because I, I think um, it's, for, for the size of it, it's very kind of small and focused, and it made more sense to keep it just with one perspective.
No, and it's nice sometimes to have like a book that is smaller in scope and, um, you know, just one point of view rather than trying to keep track of like, you know, I don't know if you've ever read the Malazan Book of the Fallen, but like in like the first one, mm. like you've like multiple points of view. They're in multiple places doing multiple things. Yeah. Each one of them has a bunch, you know, their group of side characters and, and you have to keep track of all that. And you start to be like, uh, <laughs> Right. I need a. Yeah. I need a. I need a spreadsheet. Um, right. So, so and sometimes you want a book that is just one person and they're one circle of friends, and you don't have to. You don't have to. You know, get out your scorecard and be like, okay, Galen is here, Logan is here. This one's doing this. This one's doing that. They're on this continent. This right. on this one. You know, you don't have to worry about that. You know, you know they're yeah. in one place doing one thing, and and that can be like they can be very engaging because you can get very deep into their point of view, and you can get you know their perspective on on the world. You can, I think, and I feel like you can go deeper with the world building because it's not just what they're doing, but like because you spend all your time in their head, you know, or most of it, if you know they're 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 living their life if they walk by some cool thing or someone says something that triggers them to remember some neat mm -hmm. thing or someone says something about some cool facet of their world that maybe they weren't as interested in you know you you can get all these extra fun layers that maybe don't we were talking about this in a podcast earlier because I was a guest on somebody's podcast. Mm, yeah. And um, and I, I think that like you're you know, you do you're doing this disservice when you're like you're and you're saying, Oh, well, it's one perspective and one it's it you can you can get sometimes a very a wider view of things and and a deeper view of things when you are so enmeshed in in a certain character. And I sure. like that. I like being enmeshed in the character, whether it's one character or five. I don't think it. I don't think that matters so much. Mm, yeah, you can get yeah, like this, this great view. Yeah, I tend to agree. Yeah. So, so are so. Is there any since we've brought up, we've brought up, we've opened that can of worms? Is there any cool features uh, of Logan's world? or the magic or anything that you want to gush about <laughs> while we're here? Uh, I, I would say the, the, there, are, there, there are some magical elements and aspects of things like that. But I think when, when I was writing these books, um, I guess I my focus was less on creating a um a depiction of another country or world um it, i didn't necessarily there's nothing wrong with travel log mm -hmm. style writing but i didn't feel that um uh that was going to be my strength right. i felt like i i was probably better suited to be able to talk about the individual characters and so <laughs> when i explain what it is to people i often say um because you know, you know, when you're when you're, you know, people ask, "Oh, what's your book about?" You know, tell me what's your yeah. book. You know, they, they give you a summary, and I'm like, "Oh God, I don't know." You know, I don't know if you encounter that, and it, it, you struggle to encapsulate that. But I often will say, the "Like, the longer well, the series gets, the like harder it becomes." So yeah, like, totally. Wait, what did right? we do in book one? Yeah, we did stuff. Okay, ask yeah. me about book ten because I just finished that. We did stuff in yeah. book one. It was good. Right. You'll enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> that was seven years uh, ago i don't remember yeah. what we did in book one <laughs> yeah. 
it has yeah. a blurb. You, sh you should read it. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's what it's for. Right. Right. Yeah. But um, I often say like, well, you know, it's kind of like if you took like 80s movies like Labyrinth and The Last Starfighter and like those John Hughes, like 80, like teen movies, like The Breakfast Club and and, mm -hmm. and some kind of wonderful and you put them in a book form. It's essentially that's kind of what it is. Uh and because a lot of those stories essentially are like miniature fairy tales. Uh, if you I look see. at a lot of those, those because they, they it was like one movie uh, that was kind of like, and, and there wasn't one that came before, there wasn't one that came after, the whole series thing, a lot of those films that, you know, there were fantasy or sci-fi or whatever, they just got one movie, that's it, you know? Yeah. And uh, they were kind of like, they had to uh, introduce the characters create the conflict and wrap it all up in under two hours. And you probably wouldn't get it. You may not get anything else. Uh, so I, I guess I, I liked that could. idea. We, we could. could. We Cause, could, Because right? Willow was one movie, one That's thing true. wrapped That's up, true. and then Disney decided to do a show on it. So right. a, as Hollywood becomes more desperate for stories, like we could right. get NeverEnding 2. I don't right. know if there was a sequel or or the last Starfighter. The, the, you know, there was a sequel to the Generation Never Story. It is it is, <laughs> is rather ass, but um, yeah, uh, no, yeah, uh, but you know, at the time there wasn't anything, right? I mean, right. Uh, you know, at the then there wasn't, and so I, I, I have thought of a lot of those films as kind of like miniature fairy tales, and even a lot of those teen movies that existed at the time they often had a little bit of a lesson to, to teach people uh, about, you know, being a good friend or, you know, uh, not being too full of yourself or, right, you know, those right. kind of things like that. Right. And so I wanted the dialogue to be very kind of casual. And so one of the things that, and this is a very personal thing. I know this, this, this throws other people off, when I was writing the dialogue for the characters, I wanted it to be just like people are talking in today's mm. world as opposed to yeah. thou shalt do this or whatever, because I mean, that's just, you know, you know, medieval Europe. I mean, the, the rest of the world didn't necessarily talk like that. And did they really talk like that at the time? I don't know. Who knows? I mean, none of us were there. So and it's very difficult to read now. So, but, but in their minds, it would have sounded to them like our vernacular does today, because right. if that's how everybody talks, that sounds normal to you. Right. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I write my books also in the same English that you find today. There's no right. weirdness. I mean, if they're talking to like a 2000 year old entity who's been asleep all that time and not interacting with things, then I would bring it out only because if they've had no contact with anyone, you would not expect them to speak right. like, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Because like yeah. language shifts, you know, right. because people are using it and it's living. But if you've been frozen in a tomb for 2000 years, you better come out using your these and thousand or whatever was the equivalent to you. You better come out of it, you know to with some kind of speech thing that that sounds archaic because you haven't had anybody to talk to and right, you totally. know yeah, totally. to, to get the way that we talk now so yeah, yeah. and i think a lot i haven't i don't everyone's there's only like like i'd say i have read a few uh books that did use the these and the thous but they were set in a it was more historical fantasy set right, in a particular sure. time and 
that was normal to those people. And mm-hmm. the way they did it was like they constructed the 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 way and it was the way they did it was to, to they tried to not use it like you know hit you over the head with it, but like um because in in dialogue and stuff the people to them like when you're in somebody's head you didn't you know you didn't hear it so much you more heard it when like they were talking to somebody from some other part of of the area or whatever like it was very interesting how they used it um so it wasn't like super annoying or anything because that could get really annoying right 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 sure i can't remember what that was yeah i i think i i get what you're saying because i mean it's it's you know it, it you want to strike a line between uh, yeah. creating an atmosphere, but also not like making it hard to read. Yes. You know? So I, th- I think uh, I was essentially um, writing something that I wanted to, uh, to read when uh, I was a, a kid and still would run, a, would run a read now. And so, you know, for the longest time, I really had a, a struggle in determining who the audience of a lot of these books would be, because my primary audience was always just mm. was always me first. It's like, well, I'm, I'm just uh, writing it because I wanted to read something like that. The ironic thing, of course, is like once you've done the zillion edits or whatever you have to do to get the thing published, you don't want to read it. But no, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's when you start um, thinking, well, maybe I should do a second edition and and you know, make it for other people since I don't want to read it anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But at some point you got to like, you know, let it go and and, mm-hmm. and just kind of move on. But I, uh, that was the, that was the premise. And so um, it, it took quite a while to kind of figure out who like the demographic, I guess, would be. And so I, I would say like um, the, 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 all these stories are really about characters. And even though it's a, a fantasy world, though there's things that probably can't happen in our world, um, it's still about some of the same conflicts and issues that, you know, people, uh, you, me, uh, friends, family all have, you know, dealing with things like self confidence and loneliness and fear and all these other kinds of things that are very, human kinds of things like that and how they, you don't necessarily have to let those limit you in, in various ways. No, it's true. It's true. And, and too often we do let, let those things limit us. And sometimes we don't even realize it. Like we need somebody outside of us to like point it out. And we, some, and sometimes there isn't someone there in that moment to be like, Hey, you're limiting yourself, you know? Right. And then, then we just internalize. Well, that is my limit, and it be, I think it becomes harder than to push past it. But hopefully, sure. as one matures, one realizes, okay, that is a self-imposed thing. This is not. I mean, un- unless it's something like a like a physical thing, like if you broke your leg, well, d- yeah, don't run a marathon. <laughs> right, you know? right. Like right. there's there's some limits that are you know that you have to accept so you don't like do more harm to yourself right 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 yeah and i guess to bring it full circle we i mentioned starting off talking about the martial arts angle Mm. in in that i mean it could be really anything but just in that particular thing as it was in this story you're doing a essentially a a physical discipline and it's also you know in the fighting with another person it's unpredictable Mm. and so you learn things about yourself and your own limits uh, and especially as you encounter discomfort and pain and all those other things like that, uh, in doing that, that you, you, you learn that, okay, yes, I have some limits and those kind of things, but I don't necessarily have to be, um, 
those aren't necessarily a bad thing. And they're also necessarily permanent. I, I may be able to push beyond them and do things I haven't you know, thought that were possible. And that's, that's the cool thing because you're testing your limits in every fight, essentially. Right. Yeah. How many of us do that? You know? Yeah. And I think even on a day-to-day basis, right. Because I think like, um, you know, many people will pick up martial arts, I think like that to learn how to defend themselves or whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I would probably say like, if you're getting in fights, like all the time, like one, you're probably doing it wrong. And like, two, like, <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? Like, maybe, right. like, maybe a better thing would be like, instead of learning how to fight people would devote, like, you know, how to be less of a jerk. So you're not getting in so much fights, you know, so many fights, or maybe moving to an area where you're not, you're at less risk of being attacked. So I think like for your average person who's not necessarily getting into physical confrontations all that much, especially as like you get older, like hopefully you're, right. you know, stuff breaks, you know, it's like, you know, you, you know, you, you know, you enter your forties and you're like, you know, everything hurts and hopefully you don't want to get in fights all that much. True. So, um, I think it ends up being, okay, I'm doing this physical discipline that's pushing my limits. Is there a parallel to how I approach other scenarios? Maybe they're not necessarily physically uh, as taxing or dangerous or whatever, but are also things I might otherwise avoid or whatever, you know? And uh, I think that ends up being a um, something that ends up helping your day-to-day life. Right, right. I could see how that would be helpful. Yeah. Not getting into fights all the time <laughs> could, could very, be very beneficial for your well-being. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I hope no, nobody out there is getting into fights all the time. If you are, maybe, maybe calm down, maybe get some anger management. <laughs> yeah. Maybe get yeah. new friends. Some therapy, you know, yeah. Just move, move, maybe spend some time, move, move to another area where it's less dangerous. Yeah. yeah. If, you have, just- if you have that option maybe just choose different people to be around because sometimes we are the people that we are around, you know, like we, you, you take on if, if people around you are, you know, very argumentative and you, you become that way too. Cause that's who you're hanging out with. That's yeah. that, that yeah. starts to seem like, well, that's what I should be doing. I should be arguing with everybody. So sure. maybe, maybe check the people around you and see if, if maybe, Maybe it might be them and their influence. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But um, yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about the book? Because I do want us to also talk about some of the other things that you do. Yeah, I, I would say it's uh, I, I would say the last thing is it's part of a bigger whole and a, a bunch of other stories. But it's uh, people sometimes people wonder like, oh, where, where do I start? You know, like, they get overwhelmed because they don't yeah. necessarily know, like, especially if it's multiple different parts, like you can start at any one of those pieces. So this is a perfectly good place to start. Uh, and then you can always fill in details later. It was it was designed that way because I remember when I was a kid looking at book two of four and it's like, well, maybe I could start here because the cover is cool and discovering that I couldn't and that being very disappointing. So. Yeah. I didn't and, want that and, to happen with my books. Yeah. And, but like traditionally published books, like I think they on purpose didn't put like any sort of numbering or anything. So you didn't know what book in the series. Yeah. I remember being I very frustrated right. about that. I, that right. I, I, didn't, I never found that before. All, like the three books in a trilogy and I'm looking at them like, well, which one is book one? And having to like go you know open each of them up and and look for a list of books to see do they list the trilogy do they list the books in it 
what yeah. order do we read this in? You right. know, because and like, you know, because when I was a teenager, like the internet existed, but like it was not at all like it is now. Like, no, yeah. Even if you like Googled something, like Google was a popularity contest then, so that the top thing that came up might not actually be useful. <laughs> it might yeah. e it might not even have your answer. Right. <laughs> you could ask right. Jeeves and. She's might not give you the you correct answer. Like there wasn't, you. yeah, we didn't have like Goodreads and like all that stuff was like came yeah. a little bit later. I don't think there was so, even Google for quite a while. I mean, what, what was the beginning? Was, like, was like Netscape Navigator engine. or yeah. uh, what was it? I don't remember the Alta Vista or that. Yeah. But, yeah. It was just, <laughs> I remember that. Like you had to hope that in the front of the book, they listed all the books in the series yeah. and because uh, that was the only way you could find out like well which book am i holding <laughs> right totally yeah <laughs> you yeah. know and sometimes it's at the yeah. front of the book sometimes it was hidden it was at the back of the book sometimes they had excerpts so you're flipping through the goddamn book in the yeah. store like what book of you <laughs> well and <laughs> you god know? forbid you you actually got like a like you know it was, it was book five or of, of seven but the five is actually a prequel and then you're like you're like well where does this one fit in right yeah. and, and it's not on the list and you're like but or it's it you know because like uh in a lot of um traditionally published books which is all we had access to then yeah. was they did them in trilogies and then when they started a new trilogy there'd be a new book by the author and you'd be like well it, sometimes they didn't have a they'd have other books by that author but they wouldn't list the book you had in your hand so you're like I have no idea where this fits. Where right. does this fit in all of this? Yeah. And it could be, I remember it just being very confusing. Uh, as, at the time I was trying to read, I was reading the Mercedes Lackey's Valdemar books uh -huh. and trying to figure out where to start, which books were in rich trilogies, what book am I holding in my hand? Where does it fit in this, this yeah. thing? Cause she has like, there was like 20 years, like I think about 20 books out in various trilogies when i and like when i first when i found the series i was like 15 and i was like i don't know where to start or what i'm even holding in my hands yeah, I know, <laughs> you know right? yeah. is this yeah, a book yeah. one of something well i I'm, I'm ashamed to say this but it took me really a really really long time to finally get that out of my head that i probably should start at the first one because i, I would i would just start somewhere and i was like ah, i'll just figure it out but i never mm -hmm. did I never figured out like really the other stuff and I would get frustrated, ultimately get frustrated. Uh, and I probably would have had a better experience. One, maybe if I just like, you know, asked a librarian and said like, okay, can you help me with this? For whatever reason that didn't occur to me. Uh, and then two, if I just like started with the beginning and just as you pointed out, like uh, I'm realizing that it wasn't always so easy to actually figure out no. where the beginning was. Sometimes, especially if you were yeah. not in like a big city, like I grew up in a suburb at the edge of the metro area for New York City. And like our bookstores were small there and like, you know, they'd only get so many books and they usually only had like the latest releases and the latest release might be book four in a series, you know, or or something else if it's a longer series. And they may not have they may have one or two of the books that preceded it, but it may not be book one. Right, and you were right, sort of right. limited by what was there. But at least the good thing about traditionally published books was a lot of them were written so that so that they're standalone or that you could pick it up anywhere. Like yeah. it might refer to events in another book, but the whole story in that other book was wrapped up. 
So there were some loose ends, but the loose ends weren't like crucial to that plot. Um, And that book that you picked up, whether it was book two or book five, was its own full and complete story. So you might be a little confused when they refer back to stuff in a previous book, but it wasn't important to the plot. It was more background information about the character that you could get later. Because I Mm -hmm. did start a few series in the middle because I didn't have a choice and they sounded really cool and I couldn't find the earlier books. And I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to buy this and read this. And I'll just, I know it's not the first book. I will just try to, um, I'll just, you know, try not to be annoyed when there's stuff that like I don't get because I there are books before it and I don't have them. <laughs> and if I ever do get them, I will read all of it. Oh, there you go. There you go. You're you were probably smarter than I am and also more patient in that regard. <laughs> so. I was also 15 at the time that I found the fantasy book section. Um, and so like, I was probably, I think I was older than you. So, yeah. and I was determined to figure this out. I had, I, I, I was so there excited to finally find books, you know, that were telling the stories that I was telling people. I didn't yeah. know there were fantasy books until I found that section. And, uh, it was like hidden all the way in the back in this. And they had, it was L Ron Hubbard, Mercedes Lackey, the Ann, uh, Ann McCaffrey books. And there was one other, and that was it. Those were your yeah. only options for fantasy books. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. They didn't yeah. even have the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So um, that was my introduction to fantasy. I was like 14 or 15 years old. Um, and I was like, you know, wow, okay. They have dragons and they're doing cool stuff and magic. And there's books about the stories in my head. I need to figure this out. I want to know more. <laughs> so yeah. I, was, I was motivated. Yeah, you there know? you go. Yeah, yeah. I just like so, the I just like the covers. So that was that yeah. was the thing that kind of always drew me in, and that's why, as much as possible, I've tried to include illustrations in uh, because I th- I think at least for me I probably think probably more visually or um, what's audio audio sound you know yeah. as opposed to sort of the written word, and so how I ended up becoming you know a writer is is weird. I mean I. Uh, you know, you, you do you do what you can, but I think like you know, I, that's why I've often included other things because I I think the when I envision the story, it's often not necessarily in a narrative form. It's often like an image or a piece of music or something like that first, and then I have to like backtrack and then sort of recreate the the actual story that goes with that. If that, I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah, no, that's a cool way of doing it. I'm, I'm the opposite. I, uh, the story is there first Mm -hmm. and trying to like get covers and images. Like I am not visual. And so I have a hard time with that aspect. (laughs) I mean, I see the story when I'm writing it and stuff like I'm very visual that way, but like trying to come up with like one single image that like represents it and is marketable is like, Oh, that's this so is hard. Like that's so, hard. so hard is so like climbing hard. climbing a mountain would be easier yeah. uh yeah. for me. Totally, yeah. You just keep putting one foot in front of the other and you eventually get there. Yeah. You could you could work on images all day long and not end up with anything that looks like right. a good cover. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that's that's the so for me that visual part is hard but seeing the story in my head as i'm writing it that's super easy sure getting that out where somebody else could see it in an art form that for me is difficult 
I, I, you, I, I, I relate. Yeah. 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 And, and, and you, so, uh, so, uh, you know, all the links will be, and there's a lot of them will be in the description to get empty hands and get your hands on the empty hands. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I had to do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been waiting all this time to say that. <laughs> and I messed it up on the first try. <laughs> um, I never thought about that. So that's, that's a good, you that's can use good that now. I may, I may have to steal with that. Yeah, I'm giving yeah. you that one for free. Okay, um, thank you. you may have that. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, don't forget to, um, like follow share this podcast there's gonna be a part two to this podcast because joshua blum does other things that are fancy related that are really cool so i hope you'll stick around for that episode so we're gonna we're gonna cut this one here and we are recording this on january 27th oh one thing we didn't go into which we're gonna do before we we cut the book section and move to the the next section of mm. the show sure. is um you said that it's the 13th hour is a series. How many books are published in it? Is it a completed series? Are you still working on it? What are you writing now? Yeah. So still working on it. Uh, it is one main book, the 13th hour. And then there's this one. And then, Oh, let's see. This uh, one is the empty hands novella. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> it's novella, which kind of fits inside of it. Mm -hmm. There's a, a prequel, a little prequel um, called shadow in the moonlight. And then there's an epilogue. Um, which is more of like a short story. And then uh, there's a children's book. So uh, what what's that? I don't know. Uh, there's a, a couple things. And then I'm, I'm working on two other books. For the same series or? The same series. Same series. Yeah. 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 That's uh, I, I write some other stuff, you know, kind of just for fun. It's not like formally. It, it, it's, you know, I publish, I, I don't know, you even use the word publish, but um, I put it out on a platform called Wattpad. Uh, and uh, it's about the character, the Rocketeer. If you ever watched that movie from yes, oh my god, I loved that. Yeah, and uh, so there was something them. about it that I just really loved. Yeah, it's, it's my favorite movie. So um, the uh, the the character of Logan is 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 a little part of a couple of my, the the protagonists from from some of my favorite movies, and one of which is Cliff Secord from the Rocketeer. He's, he's partly that. Um, but anyway, I, I write that. That's just for fun. Uh, and I put that so wait, out. Wait, is that Wattpad. Rocketeer fan fiction? Uh, yes, it is Rocketeer fan fiction. Yes. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Did you give me a link for that in, in, in all your Probably all not, things? but I certainly can if you if you so desire. I think we should yeah. put a link to that. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> that's, right. that's sort of I'll, fun. I'll, and I'll, like I'll the, the Rocketeer was such a fun movie. And if yeah. folks haven't seen it, they definitely should. Yeah. I agree. It's a feel good, fun action adventure. Exactly, that's how I, I would describe it in, in a nutshell. And so, uh, I I write some stories and uh, uh, do other things that are kind of all related to that. So I just made a card game that is a little Rocketeer card game that you can that's in the appendix of one of the stories. So, oh, okay, yeah. wow, you're just all over in in a good way. Yeah, I mean, not, all that's all that's more or less for fun and stuff that I'll do with like my kids or whatever. It's it's not like to, um, it, uh, you know, I have a day job. I, I, I most of this stuff doesn't earn you know all, all, any money. It but, earns love. It, it's fun. <laughs> it and, it and lights that's why you up it. inside. <laughs> it does, and it keeps me going. So that's why I do it. That's awesome. 
So, all right. So when when will those next two uh, books be in the 13 oh hour my. series? Oh, my you, God. Like, so for the for the listener in the future, because we're recording yes. this in January 27, 2024. So like should, if, if they're listening six months from now, uh, like we're three months from now, is yes. there like a, a, a date that you hope to have the second the next 13th hour installment out? Um, there will be a 13th uh, on there. So there's one, um, I wouldn't, n not the books in the next six months, um, but there is a, there's one. Uh, so there's a, there's a little, like, I guess you could call like an EP, like a, like a, a collection of songs that go with this one. Okay. This we just talked about empty hands. It's, 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 it is embedded in the text, but you can listen to it separately. And there's a one LP, like an album for the 13th hour. And there's another one that, uh, for music that didn't make it into the first, you know, the first CD, uh, that that'll that'll probably be out in the next six months. Okay, so, so maybe a year from now, the next book, because you got to do the music and then figure out, okay, what story is the music telling? Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. So something along those lines. In the next six months, definitely there'll be an album uh, that'll come out. This is more more music from the Thirteenth Hour, essentially, and then. Uh, and and then after that, then I would say probably more books. The, the outlines are basically written. Um, some of the songs are actually written, uh, but uh, uh, being able to and then and then uh, kind of sit down and put it all together and that kind of stuff like mm. that. That's a that's a much longer thing, as I'm sure you well know. Does the outline have its own soundtrack? Uh, there are some songs that are the <laughs> the outline itself is is not doesn't necessarily have songs. Uh, built into it, but there are songs that uh, are written that can fit into it, if that makes any sense. So yeah, so yeah. Partly, partly. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. That that is that. I, that's really neat. That there's. How do you do? You play any instruments? How do you make the music? Yeah. So some of it is just traditionally like done on like the guitar or uh, the piano, um, but uh, some of it is just you know, electronic. It's you know a synthesizer. And it's done that way. Uh, most of them are a combination of all three. So some of the, I don't know how well you could hear some of the ones that were playing, um, but uh, most of those were, uh, there was, that was synthesizer stuff. Okay, there, that's what it no, sounded like there's, to me. There's no, no vocals yeah. or anything like that. There are some of them have vocals or um, like parts that I've recorded on like more traditional instruments. That's very cool. That's really neat that the books have a soundtrack. Like I always wanted like a soundtrack, but like the sweeping epic music, like Lord of the Rings for my books. Yeah, but yeah. Um, there currently is not. It's only it's there's there is none. Someday I'd like that, but someone would someday, have to compose someday, that. Who isn't me? Because I don't. I just have the Lord of the Rings soundtrack in my head when I write my books. Sure, sure. <laughs> it's yeah, kind yeah. of already been used. Yeah. <laughs> we can't, can't use that. Yeah. It would need something something new and different. So I, I would need Bear McCrary or um, what's his name? Who did the, um, James Horner? Um, yeah, James Horner did the, he did the Rock yeah. soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I need one of them to, to make me a soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's beyond my skill. Well, maybe like I and I've I've thought about this, and maybe if uh, in in doing like a if you've ever done um, uh, or, or created your own audio book, I mean, I've thought about this. I, I haven't 
exactly done that but I mean, oh like the nice soundscapes to, to have uh, like the 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 music in the background when you're like yeah, yeah what's his you know? what's his name does the sound he does it for the the tolkien books mm, uh yeah he just did a kickstarter that i backed a few months back and he's doing a soundtrack for the uh the silmarillion oh wow okay He's done one. He's done ones that you can play while listening to The Hobbit and all of the Lord of the Rings books. Um, yeah. And it syncs with the Andy Circus version. That's the Andy Circus wow. narrative version that you play Gollum. Yeah. Um, nice. yeah he yeah. does these soundscapes. It's not just music. It's also like I, I have I I bought the ones for all the, the Lord of the Rings books because I'm a huge nerd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have my nerd card in my wallet. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's 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 a it's a whole soundscape, and it's meant to sync up. I haven't figured out how to sync it. It's a podcast, and you it oh, syncs directly with the music. And I haven't quite figured out how to get both to play while listening to the uh, audiobook on Audible. Oh, but apparently, it's possible. So huh. um, it's just nice listening to the soundscape sometimes. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's music, but it's also ambiance. Like, right. what would Kazadoom sound like if you were just, you know, there in, in that right. scene? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. maybe there's music. Maybe it's just like the the sounds you would hear if you were. Phys- it's it's like it may it sets your imagination on fire. Like, so yeah. that might be something that that you might want to do since you're very it, since the music comes first is like the soundscape, not just music, but like what other sounds like as they're like walking around yeah. is there birds chirping is there leaves uh-huh. rustling yeah, is the wind lightly blowing like it's it's really neat yeah well thank you i never thought about that i need that to get before. his yeah. i have his name i'm on his yeah. discord let me get his yeah. name for you so you can check him out because he does the soundscapes the one he's working on now is is the is aya which is the world all right, I'm a huge nerd. That we've invented this. That's the world <laughs> that the Lord of the Rings books take place in. It, it's called yeah. Aya. That's where Middle Earth is. It's in Aya. Oh, and okay. um, yeah, let me just find because I'm on his Discord, but Discord is hiding from me. <laughs> it's always when you need something that your computer is like, no, we're just not going to show you. Let me see. It's I struggle with Discord. Not Every time like I, that thing, I struggle. His his Discord is called a long expected Discord. <laughs> uh, his name, it's it's Jordan Rannells. Um and he has like he's on you know YouTube and he has his own website. He's doing like soundscapes right now for um Harry Potter mm. and uh he did Winnie the Pooh. Um it's very cool and immersive and it's, mm. it's Jordan Reynolds. It's, it's his last name has two N's and two L's. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And if you just like, look up, if you just Google him, like um, it's very cool. He does Kickstarters and they, they get like hundreds of thousands of do- of, uh, you know, he gets, he gets lots. He, it's, it's such a cool thing. And there's so many people who are interested in that and having soundscapes and to go along with their books. So like, that might be something for you to look into, uh, especially since idea. you think first about the music. Um, Cause that's, that's what he, that's what started him. I think was that he was like, I wonder what does 
you know, he started with like, I don't remember if it's the Hobbit or the Lord of the Rings, like, well, what does this sound like? Like, like you're mm-hmm. in Rivendell. Yeah. What what does that sound like? You know? Yeah. And it's um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like ambiance. Uh yeah. but also music. Cause he also brings in like like notes, like things from the movie, but like the movie soundtrack is not nearly long enough to be <laughs> listen yeah. to along right, with right, the right. with the All books they're a lot longer yeah. um it, it's a it's a cool thing um and I, I know that there's other authors out there who do playlists for their books so that and there's there's definitely a lot of people like you who who want to experience the music or the soundscape with the book so yeah. that, that that might be an un, that might be an audience for you to to tap into Oh, look at that. Check that out and see see what he does. Yeah, check Mm -hmm. him out on YouTube. You can hear some of that for, you know, and and see and hear what he's doing and see if that might be something you want to get into for your own books to create like a richer experience. It's interesting. Like there's those um, like whatever, you know, four hour um, uh, videos or more on, on YouTube, which is just like. I don't know. They sometimes bill it like, as like sleep music or study music. Or yes, I love kind of them. Things. It's like it's like <laughs> I a hobbit hole, while I write. and like yes. and like, and there's like you know wind blowing and like you know rustling leaves and stuff my like favorite, that. My favorite is like uh like the loop like uh yeah certain songs or they'll make them into loops even though they weren't right, right, like yeah, Lord yeah. of the Rings right, right. like various yeah, soundtracks yeah, yeah, yeah. from the Lord totally, of the Rings or totally. from other things and and sometimes they'll add like rain or like other like soothing like sound effects with it um like there's a hobbit one where it's just raining in in hobbiton and you have the music um some of the the quieter music or the calmer music from the hobbit scenes with like rain yeah. sounds and the thunder will grumble every like few minutes but like the the, the kind of grumble where it's like miles away like it's not like right over you <laughs> kind of, right you know well, that's a great idea yeah yeah, and yeah, like I like I write I I when I'm writing like I need like music that loops that because yeah. yeah. I can just focus and like it be like the, as the music is going and I'm there and 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 it just something about like it like being four or eight or like hours of the same thing over and over again like it just gives you that like time to really focus i don't know why it just it it, like flips some switch in my brain and i can write for hours to it um i know a lot of there's a there's a devoted fan base for that on youtube yeah Uh, yeah it's not just on youtube because uh there's uh there's a whole playlist of it on spotify um And they also take the music that's composed for movie trailers and they put those together into like four or five hour or two hour mixes and um, try, they try to match it up so that it seems to flow from song to song and like one never ending, like epic, like sequence. Um, Right. Yeah. I love those. I'm, I'm such a nerd. (laughs) These, this is what my YouTube playlists look like. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. I uh, I think that's a great idea, actually. Yeah. Uh, to, and to like, look into that. And I, there's people like me who focus better with that. You with, know? With, yeah, with something like that in the background. Yes. I did one uh, for one of the... Um, one of the 13th hour tracks. It's like a more of a slower kind of meditative thing. And the, the original track itself, I think it was like, I don't know, two minutes or something like that. But then I... Right. I was like, well, can I make it like 10 minutes? I think, so I feel like there is a 10 minute version that I, it may even be on YouTube. I I know I did it at some point, Um, 
but uh, but I, I that's an interesting thing about making it yeah. with all the sounds and of nature or whatever that that sort of you know give you an idea about the the environment that you might be in. You'll also get like the kindest comments on those videos <laughs> because the people who tend to listen to that are using it for meditation to study. So you'll the yeah. comments will be like, anybody reading this comment, you know, I, I wish you the best day you've ever had oh, an internal oh, so peace. Nice. And it'll just be a whole wall of comments like that of people leaving like well wishes. So wow. like I, I find so it's it's so sometimes like if you can't focus, you're having a bad day, you just read through all the comments underneath them, or if it's a live some of them they do they stream them live and the chat is just all of that like i've got a test tomorrow i'm studying and oh good luck we hope you know sending you positive vibes and and oh, wishes that's for nice. it's so nice it's marks. A, yeah it's it's like the chiller the nicer. yeah, yeah. corners it right. brings out the best in people and and some people huh. use it to meditate some people use it to study i use it to write yeah, too right. um yeah. that's yeah that's true uh, I'm gonna have to go check that out. You yeah, know, it, the, there's the, yeah, there's a whole there's also like cozy cozy cottage hobbit type core music. Right, yeah, there's there's tavern style cozy music. There's a whole bunch of different ones, and and then there's like adventure, um, but a little calmer uh, on a loop. There's all different types, and, and it's I I love it. I think it's fantastic because yeah. it it's. I need music to write to, but like this, if the songs keep changing, then I get distracted and I'm like, yeah. you know, but if it's, right. if it's the same or it's like slowly easing from one thing into another, I can just keep, Ooh, as I knock over something, you just keep going. I can't talk. If you're listening to this, you can't see that I'm talking with my hands. They're just all over the place. <laughs> I'm sorry for the bang. That was me knocking stuff over. Um, Yeah. I'll, I'll stop because I'm getting too out of being There's too many things here, and I, I don't want to send the keyboard flying and the microphone <laughs> flying. <next>. <laughs> okay, so we're going to end this episode here, and then we're going to come back and talk about some of the other things that Joshua Blum does okay. on a future episode, and we'll talk about his podcast and the other things that he does that are related to the 13th hour. So I hope you'll come back for that and I hope you'll be back next week for another episode of Fantasy Learn More. So we'll have another fantasy author and another fantasy book. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow all the things so you get notified when that comes out. Have a great day or great night wherever you are.